It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village? Because raising your child is really, really tough. What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there, and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast on the hard days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. Welcome back, everybody. I'm very, very excited to have this amazing conversation with a really awesome mom. This is Alina Lyons. She's a mom of three, and she has a neurodiverse child, and which we had this amazing conversation a few days ago, weeks ago, where the things that you were talking about were so honest and so vulnerable. And that was what really struck me about our discovery call. So first of all, Alina, thank you so much for being here. No problem. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm grateful to you for, for, for doing this because you've got a really, really awesome message. We'll get to the message in a little bit, but I really like your purpose in all of this. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your family. Take us back to the beginning. Okay. So, um, I have three kids. Um, I have a 14 year old. His name is James. Katie, she is 11 and Aiden is nine. Kaylin is my child that has anxiety and OCD. Um, last year when COVID happened, um, I started noticing some things about Caitlin that she was having intrusive thoughts. And she was telling me the thoughts about how she was going to hurt herself and how she's going to hurt other people. And um, the thoughts are pretty scary for her and for me. And when she was telling me these thoughts, they were happening. She was having 50, 60 thoughts a day. And it lasted for months. I got her help with a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist put her on medicine. And he put her, I think, on Prozac. And the Prozac caused the thoughts to be activated. And she acted on them. And she tried to kill herself in her house. Um, She wrapped a scarf around her neck. Oh, and, and one, um, one night I, and she did it by herself. And then another time she shoved, um, this chew. like I bought her something for anxiety that she wanted to help her, but she tried to use it to hurt herself. And then that was like the final straw for me where I knew it was time to go to the hospital. And when we took her to the hospital, um, they admitted her right away. She went to Westchester medical for 27 days. She was admitted. And, um, Admitting your daughter in a psychiatric facility at um, nine years old is very challenging to leave your child there and trust someplace you don't know to do what's best for her. Um, it was hard for her and it was hard on the family. Um, and when we did that, um, she was there for that long. And then when she was released, she still wasn't better. Um, but then she went to a partial hospitalization for 10 weeks. And then she went to a crisis center for six weeks And um, that's when our journey started, really. Um, I researched all about the illness because I really didn't understand it. And I wanted to be able to help her and advocate for what she needed. So I got books on OCD and anxiety to really understand what what was going on with her. And it really helped me understand and how to push back and advocate. That's when I went and got her tested for a neuropsych, a neuropsych diagnosed her and um, we started on that journey and then we put her, she wasn't back in, in school yet because she wasn't able to, because she was still in the partial hospitalization and that at-risk place. And then she went back and the school couldn't handle it. So um, she was having five panic attacks in a day, in a week. And then she would have it at school. The school would call me, come get her. We can't handle it. And um, it was continuous. And then finally I said, enough. The neuropsych recommended a therapeutic setting. I got a lawyer and the lawyer helped me sue and we won the case. And now Caitlin's in a therapeutic setting and doing much better. Um, I see a glimpse of my daughter again. 
I see like hope. Like I see that she's able to manage things and be herself. And it gives me hope to share the story that yes, we went through a crisis. Yes, it's crazy, but there is hope and there's help out there. And the key is to get all the services you can. So she, she was in therapy weekly. She was seen by a psychiatrist. She had the best treatment team. And I feel like that's critical. And also not to take things at face value. Doctors don't know. They prescribed my daughter the wrong medicine and it activated her thoughts and she tried to kill herself in our home. That's because the doctor messed up. And because of that, this is where we, this is what happens. Um, but the message here is that this is scary and this is a lot to deal with as a parent, but with the right support and the right tools, you will be able to be successful and get help and get what you need for your, your child. Mm. Ugh. Ugh, the story is so hard to hear. And this is now the second time that I've heard it. And if it was, if it's hard for me to hear, then it was harder for you to go through it. Right. And the amount of bravery you have for just showing up here instead of you could be keeping this all inside. You could be choosing right. to hide this entire thing, but by bringing awareness to, to all of it, um, you are helping other people right. now. And, and I remember we had this conversation when she was in the hospital, it was over her 10th birthday, which is just so, so, so sad. How on earth did you keep it together during uh, this time? I actually um, went back to therapy. So I was in therapy. I was actually receiving therapy twice a week when Caitlin first went in. Um, I couldn't, it was just too much. Um, I was only allowed to be in there for an hour a day to see her. You know, and an hour goes by quick. Um, the hospitals are very strict with that. And it was in the midst of COVID, like before, like COVID was there and it was, you know, they, they didn't really want visiting that long and I couldn't go on Mondays. So she was, only, I was only allowed to see her Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then Monday, they wouldn't let us go in. And the psychiatrist in the hospital was really nice. They let us do a video call. But for Caitlin, that was a lot for her. That was the first time she was ever away from me. That was the first time that um, she had to be in a hospital because she was having thoughts of hurting herself. And she even did try to hurt herself in the hospital twice as well. She was coming off the medicine. They were weeding her off of it. So, but it also helped them see what the whole picture was and how to help her. Because she was very honest. She would say, I'm having a thought I want to hurt myself or I'm having a thought I want to kill you. I mean, I know it's not, I shouldn't be laughing and saying, she wanted to kill you, but this is nope. what it was. Yep. It's a thought she cannot control. Mm -hmm. And she's just going to tell you, this is what my thought is. And this is what I'm thinking. And that's how we like kind of embraced it. And I told her, just tell me what you're thinking. And there's no judgment. So, and then we did a lot of positive affirmations, all these coping skills and stuff like that. But I feel like um, it's scary as a parent to hear your child say that, but no, it's not them. It's the illness. And to remember that, because when you're going through this, you're like, why is my child doing this? Your child is, needs help and they're sick. And that's something you have to remember that to take that equation away. It's not, it's not personal. It's something the child needs help with. Wow. Yes, true. But you're still so strong <laughs> for being able to say to your child, tell me what you're thinking. Right. No judgment, because right. that's hard to do. Right. I, I it, it's just, well, it, it's, I just see you as a superhero because <laughs> this is, I mean, it's scary. I don't think there's enough scary. words to describe how scary this is. Because she would, she told me that I want to put a pillow over your face and smother you in the middle of the night. Oh my God. And then I'm sitting here like, uh, should we lock the door? Like, I don't know, but I'm, I'm thinking, I know she would never hurt me, but at the, at the, at the same token, how do you know for sure? You don't know. So it's a very fine line you're, you're crossing. And I feel like a lot of the times the doctors say it's just an intrusive thought. Just let it pass. It's going to, it's going to just, just let it, just think about it and let it pass. But it's easier said than done for a child who's struggling, you know? So why do you think, why would a doctor say it's an, just an, it's just an intrusive thought. Just let it pass. I, I guess I don't understand they're just saying that it's, you're not going to act on it. 
So the fact that as long as you don't act on it, it's not something that I should be alarmed with. But hearing a child say that, I mean, now Kaylin's stable. She doesn't have, she hasn't had an intrusive thought and then I would say probably a month. Wow. She hasn't had them. And then before that, we were doing really well and she hadn't had them for seven months. But because she put on was put on antibiotics, you have to be very careful with the medicine they're putting them on. So she had gotten a rash from the pool and the and the lake, and the pediatrician put her on um, a, um, an antibiotic, and it caused the, the medication to stop working. Then she started having rapid thoughts again, and I, I was like, at first I was like, oh my god, it's July. Is this like a yearly thing I'm going to go through? But no, it was because she was on the wrong medicine. So it's very you have to kind of be your child's personal secretary and advocate say, hey, listen, she's on this medicine, make sure it doesn't have any interaction, because this is what happens. So it's a lot to manage. Um, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's not a lot. It's a lot. It is um, a lot. It's a lot, but I feel like what I want people to take away from this message and from me having this um, podcast is that I don't want there to be shame around mental health and mental illness. And a lot of times there's a lot of shame around it because people don't want to share their story or they don't want to say, this is what's happening in my life. But you would find a lot of people are going through the same thing. You are just not saying anything. And I feel like if I can help one family understand that you're not alone and that you will get through this and this is just a hard time, but it will pass. Mm. That's the, I mean, that's the most important message you can get from this from tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful to you for sharing that message because I completely agree. That's why I have the podcast in the first place. Some stories that mothers tell, some hit harder than others. This one hits pretty hard. And I know you talked, I think you mentioned anxiety and and OCD. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think some of those intrusive thoughts or those compulsions fall under the OCD piece. Um, right. The OCD is with intrusive thoughts. That's yeah. the link. And the anxiety is what, um, for Caitlin, her anxiety gets out of control. So she will have a panic attack, have vomiting. Um, she can't control it. So when she's not doing well, the first sign is, for me, is a red flag is she starts vomiting because she's so anxious. Ugh. So, and I'm just like, take a deep breath. Let's work on our coping skills. Remember, I said, everything's going to be fine. I said, and then, you know, I just think every child has different symptoms yes. for OCD. It's not all the same, but those are Caitlin's symptoms. Those, mm. well, that's what I noticed with Caitlin. And when her, when she's not doing well, you can tell. So I feel like I just have to be on top of it. And, um, and that's why I did the neuropsych and the neuropsychologist was the one that helped diagnose her and help me with the path of finding a better placement and a better school for her mm. because a regular public school can't handle a child that has this many needs um and we tried we really did try but it, it just got worse she was getting worse and I'm like I'm, we didn't go through all this to go back into another hospital I'm not doing it so mm. that's why we went the other route and, and and believe it or not in three months in her new school in a therapeutic setting she met one of her goals and the panic attack she was having every morning stopped completely Wow. So the right setting, the right school will help. And, and that's the whole point of a, a school like that. That's the whole, that's why it exists. Right. Um, I feel like in this entire process, you, not only are you an advocate, but like you had to learn all the strategies and, and coping tool. You had to learn it all too. You had to learn right. it together because you have to I be mean, trained I- on how to help her. Right. I bought all the books too. They have like all these books about OCD, how to read them to the kids, you know, how to deal with her thoughts. Like a, the, it was like a bully book. She had to name her, her, um, yes, her, we did that too. Yeah. Yep. So she had to name it and call it, but I mean, she did all those things, but when push came to shove and she was not doing well, none of those things helped. So I just feel like, um, I mean, I tried it all, believe me. I mean, I did the books, I read the book, I just, then they had a listing. And then when she was in the hospital, the psychiatrist recommended four other books, four other things for her to do. Whatever they recommended, I tried. But at the same token, I was constantly asking why and how do you know? And what's your evidence? Because at the end of the day, after that happened with my daughter, 
with the psychiatrist who I trusted, who was a doctor and for children who were, had mental health illnesses, my daughter almost killed herself. Well, she tried. That what would have what would have happened if that, her life would have been gone? You can't take things for face value, and that's one thing that I learned. So now I'm gonna I'm going to ask questions. I'm gonna push back, and I'm not gonna take anything at face value ever again. So I think this is an important message for families too. It's okay to to question the doctor. It's okay it's okay to say how do you know and what's your evidence to support that? There's nothing wrong with doing that. Years ago, I searched for a group of mothers who might understand what I was going through in raising my out-of-the-box kid, and I came up empty-handed. Instead of strengthening my resolve and digging deeper, I gave up and came to the conclusion the group doesn't exist because I'm doing something wrong. Those feelings of shame, guilt, and doubt stayed with me for years, eventually leading me to create the support group community I wished I always had which then led to instant friendships. These are mothers who don't need you to explain it. They get it. And now, my support group community, Mothers Together, is thriving. We hold small group, personalized virtual meetings weekly and catch up on our struggles and wins over the last week. We leave resources and questions for each other on our off-of-social-media private forum, and we even attend virtual live Q&As with expert therapists, OTs, educators, and more. If you haven't yet found your people who not only understand what you're going through, but also can completely relate, Mothers Together is for you. If you're looking for lifelong friendships in a judgment-free, personalized space for weeks, months, or years to come, Mothers Together is for you. Mothers Together opens its doors on the first of every month, but signups start the week before. Head on over to ontheharddays.com slash mothers together to get more information, read testimonials, and sign up. Still have questions after you check out the page? Send me an email at ontheharddays at gmail.com or DM me on Facebook or Instagram, and I'd be happy to chat with you personally. I don't want you to ever feel the way that I felt, which was alone, anxious, and depressed. Your people do exist. They're looking for you, too. And you'll find them in Mothers Together. Visit ontheharddays.com slash mothers together for more. Now back to the episode. No, there's not. I, I feel like if many moms might be conflicted, let's say a doctor gives advice. We say, okay, why? How do you know? What's your evidence? They give you the evidence. Then what? How do I know? Do I trust my judgment now for what's next? Or do I, they, um, well, they gave me the evidence do I go with that? It's so hard to know, you know, your mother I mean, instinct. Right. I feel like um, I, tr- I will try it. And if it's not working for her, we're going to try something else. So I don't mind trying something, but when it comes to medicine, I was really, really apprehensive about putting her on meds from the beginning. And then look what happened because I was so crazy about it. I was, I mean, Kayla was diagnosed with anxiety when she was in first grade. She was not put on meds until she was in fifth grade. So we waited a long time. She was in therapy from four years old all the way till now, consistently. So I just didn't, I wanted to try everything else before that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a reason because of what, ha- you know, look what happened. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now you have two other children. Yes. So um, Aiden is autistic. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And, um, James is, he's a, he's 14. He's in high school. He's going into sophomore year. Um, the the other two boys don't have any mental health illnesses, but my husband, um, does my husband is, um, diagnosed with bipolar. So we are aware of, you know, hospitalizations and going through all that because we did go through it before. So we were aware of what to look for. And there was a high possibility of one of our children getting, one of the illnesses from him, which we knew, but I feel like um, you just never know. You know, I didn't know it would be Caitlin. I thought, honestly, I thought it'd be Aiden because he had autism. You know what I mean? He was autistic, but we got him early intervention and that made the difference. So he was in early intervention since 14 months old. And now he's in an ICT setting doing very well mm-hmm. in a public school. Thank goodness. But your plate is so full and the needs are so specific. 
again, I say, (laughs) how are you doing this? Because yes, these are your children, your whole life. I imagine the way you structure your day and the schedules, everything is tailored to meet the needs of everybody else, but you have needs too. Right. And I imagine that you, as most moms do put yourself at the bottom and and that's hard because this is, this is hard. This is hard stuff. I mean, you're you're living it every day, but it's hard. Right. But I think self-care is critical. And that's something that my therapist would be like, yes, listen to me, do it. Um, I think self-care and having girlfriends, which I do, I have amazing friends who are there to support me and, and just make sure that I'm taking time for me because I'm not going to be good for anyone if I'm not good for myself. And I feel like just Tuesday, I took a day for myself. I went to the beach. My husband took care of the kids and I went to the beach by myself and my girlfriends and I was gone for seven hours. It was the best day, (laughs) but it was what I needed, you know? Yes. Um, But self-care is critical and to make sure that you're good for yourself so you can be good for your kids. But I also think therapy for me is critical. I have an amazing therapist that I speak to weekly (laughs) and I don't ever miss a session really, really important that I have her there to support me and guide me through everything I'm going through. And just to be able to talk to somebody that doesn't really know you, you know, Mm -hmm. I do. And I've, I've used therapy as well. I, I, it's, you, you definitely have to find the right person that you feel like you can connect with and who gets you. Um, but when you do, it's, it's, it's so worth it. And the thing is, is, and I think therapy gets a bad rap. Um, if you, when you were dealing with raising the kinds of kids that we have, who have right. so many needs, right. there's no way we can just keep that all in our own heads. Like we're, it's going to come out somehow and it, it, possibly you might explode. Like it's talking to someone and, and sometimes girlfriends are fabulous, but they may not always be able to give you that, that opinion that you need from right. somebody who doesn't know you or your right. kids. Um, oh. Gosh, I just, what, what, what is it like for you when you wake up in the morning? Are you like, wow, I wonder um, how today's going to go. <laughs> well, so I am an educator. I'm a, I'm a coach. Um, so I teach, I work with teachers and I teach reading and I work with kids and help them in reading as well. So when I'm not off for the summer, which I take my summer off, I do not work in the summer, which I think is also self-care. Hundred <laughs> mm-hmm, percent. Um, during the school year, it's very crazy and hectic, but um, we are all on schedules, and we know that this is what we have to do to get through. Um, Katie's going to be, you know, start back in her therapeutic setting, so it's going to be different. So trying to navigate all that with the my other two sons in two two to, two totally different schools. My older one could get there by himself. I'm not really worried about him. He's going into sophomore year. He's going to be 15. Um, my little one is nine. So my husband will have to take him. And we're just working out the busting situation for Caitlin because that was denied. So we're trying to figure out how to get her there. So that's oh, what we're working on right sake. now. Yeah. Really? Yes. <sighs> like, why? There's no good reason. <laughs> I, I know. Just send the bus I know. over for I know. Pete's sake. I know. Oh, my goodness. I- one of the things you talked about in our discovery call was how you spend time with each kid individually, because I know, I know that with my neurodiverse kid, um, the other two feel that, and there's a lot of who comes first. Well, it seems like it's always him. And, and I feel that guilt about the siblings. So how do you tell us about how you, you help your others with that? So we try to do, um, I would say we put the calendar out, especially when I'm off, I have a lot more time. So when I put the calendar out, the kids pick the date that they want to go on a date with me and a date with my husband. And we choose that. And it's individual. It's one-on-one. That's a day spent with that child. And they get to pick the activities and what we're doing. And I try to do that like during school breaks. Usually on a February break, I do that. Easter break, we do everything together. And then the summer, we do this as well. Um, But just making sure that each child feels loved and special and it's hard when you have three kids, it's a lot. It's a lot to juggle. It's a lot to make sure that everyone's getting, you know, what they need and getting taken care of. But I feel like you're right. This past year and a half has been a lot with Caitlin, 
a lot of her needs, a lot of, you know, psychiatrist phone call, therapist phone call, video phone call, taking her here, taking her there. So you're right about that. And sometimes it's easy for you to just focus on the one thing and not, and the other two get lost in the shuffle, but that's not fair to them. And I remember when I took my little one out, he goes, I love spending time with you one-on-one mom. And I said, I have to do it. I have to make a conscious effort to do it more. Um, and my older one's getting bigger. He's, you know, going to sophomore year of high school. When they're teenagers, all they want to do is be with their friends or be in their room. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm um, trying to just, you know, navigate that world too. And that's his self-care as well. Right. Um, and that's what, what lights him up. I think that it's so important to, to spend time with each kid individually. And it's also really hard meeting everyone's needs, individual time, marriage time, time for just you. Like it's a lot. It's a lot. I think it's easier in the summer. Uh, yes. And this, during the school year, it's very challenging. Yes. So I think that's where the summer is where I feel like I have the most time and I feel like I have the most energy mm-hmm. and I have, I feel like I can give more. During the school year, it's very, very hectic because I'm working 7.30 to 3.30. And then, you know, by the time we get home, it's dinner, it's homework, it's bath, it's book, then bed, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the routine. And then the weekends you live for it, but they come by and they go by so quick. Yes. So I also enjoy the time off though. We get breaks and that's important because you need it mm-hmm. to survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I, yes, 100%. One of the things that you said, and this is one of the big takeaways I had from our conversation was about your honesty, being honest about all of this, because you're, you're sort of jumped right in. Like, this is it. This is what we're dealing with. This is what she struggles with. And one of the things you said was, this is, everyone is honest here by you being honest. You were modeling for your children to be honest to you. Kids right. are honest to you. You're honest to me. We're right. honest to everybody and there's no secrets. Right. Tell me about right. why you think about it like this. Um, I feel because I want, um, I want my kids to know they can come to talk to me, whatever they feel, whatever they need. It's an open door policy. So, and I always have this rule of thumb. I will never punish you or get mad at you if you tell me the truth. I feel like that's the most important thing. Like they have to feel that they can be trusted and they have to know that they can talk to me if they need to. But also I want them to know that there's no shame in mental health. And I feel like I'm saying this over and over again because I feel like, and I don't want to speak for my husband. That's not fair for him. But I felt like that was something that we had to deal with with him. And I wanted to kind of break that and let him, let the kids know that and let him know not here, not in this home. That, wow, that's just so powerful. That's super, right. super powerful. Um, does she, does your daughter feel, I know she's very comfortable talking to you about it, which is lovely. Does she talk to other people about it? Like in friends? So in and- the beginning before the hospitalization, yes, she yeah. would. Yeah. After the hospitalization, she, she stopped. Yeah. Cause she knew that when I tell the truth, I'm going to end up in a, in a psychiatric facility. So we had to work a lot of overtime about trying to bring, because she was a very open book and would say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And this is why she's still like that with me, but and her therapist. Yes. But outsiders, no, any, and she can be very guarded because of what happens. So I feel like it, all the hard work I did kind of took a step back after the hospitalization because she realized, wait, I'm getting in trouble for telling the truth. Oh, and that's tough because. Yeah. But I told her it's not trouble. It's getting you help. Right. You needed help Caitlin, at that time because you were not well. And it's okay to say I'm not okay today. God, that's so good. We hear that message a lot for mothers and women. Right. We don't hear that message a lot for children. Right. And so I, I and I tell her that and she knows. So she'll say mom today is not a good day. And I'm like, so what can we do to make this day better? God, you're, yeah. you, you're such a beacon of light. Like <laughs> your kids are so lucky to have you. And I, and I think it's funny because, you know, you always say the ch- your children are destined to go with a certain mom, right? And I feel like I've learned so much from her how to be strong. Imagine a nine-year-old having to go into a hospital. 
when I look to her, I see so much strength and grace from her and being able to handle that and do all that. And then, and sit here and be able to say, mom, like today's going to be a good day. You know, I just, what you want, I think what any mom wants is a, a well-adjusted child and a happy kid, you know? And we, t- I took that for granted when she was sick. Like I wanted, that's what I wanted so bad. And now that I see that again, and I'm like, now we can want for more, you know? But I feel like I have to be positive because there's no other way around it. Mm. I won't take anything else. And I feel like my, I live my life that way. I see things always in a positive light. When things are hard and things are rough, what can I take from here that's something positive? What can I learn from the situation? Mm. So, so amazing. Dropping your child off at a hospital at nine. Oh, at I, any age. Hard, the hardest thing. I, oh. I swear to you, for mm. me, and my girlfriend was outside waiting for me to oh. take me home. Thank goodness. I, and I cried in her car. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And she was there for me. She picked me up and she brought me um, home. That to me, to leave your child there, knowing she's not well and making sure she's protected. I mean, the scariest thing, but also the hardest thing mm. as a mom. Mm. Nobody wants to put their child in a psychiatric facility. No. Nobody. Nobody. You so, have to put your ego aside. Right. In and order I had to do what's best for my daughter. And it was hard because there was two warnings and I didn't listen to the first one. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to do it. And then the second one, I was like, enough, it's time. Mm. And I took a cab. I took an Uber right to the hospital because I didn't want to think about it. I got the Uber and we left and went right to the hospital because if I would have waited, I could have been second guessing myself like, oh, we're not going to do this. But we went to the hospital and right away they said, no, she has to be admitted. So I knew I did the right thing. You know, you did because look at her now. Right. I mean, and she, I, I tell you, she gives me strength though to see her struggle. Like, and I mean, we really saw her struggle for months with this intrusive thoughts. I can't imagine what that's like for a child just to sit there and deal with that and have to be obsessing over it and saying, why am I thinking this mom? Why, am I a bad person? And I'm like, no, Kaelin, this is not your fault. This, this is, this is your mental, this is mental illness, babe. This is not, this is intrusive thoughts and this has nothing to do with you. I said, and we're just going to have to try to figure out how we can get you help and get you better. Oh, it, it's, it's so gut wrenching, but right. also so inspiring the way right. that you handled all of this. And I, you say you have to, you, you, you there are no other options. There are no choices. There's, you know, it's either. And then like, but don't get me wrong. Was I devastated? Was I crying? Absolutely. But I did what I had to do to move forward to say, I'm going to do whatever I have to do for my child. Mm-hmm. And that's my job as their mom. And I will do, and I tell you, I will go to the end of the earth for all three of those kids. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, my job as their mom is to make sure they have everything they need and to get what they need to be successful in life. That's my job. And that's what I'm going to do. And I will make sure I do everything I can to give them what they need. Mm. It's, it's so motivating. And, and when you were talking before about how I mean, your kids are learning from you, but you're learning from them as well. And I feel that same way. I spent so many years pointing to the door behind me, but they're, they're in bed, obviously. But, but I spent so many years, especially with my son, like what, why, why I'm a teacher. I'm supposed to be good with kids. I was a babysitter. I worked in daycares and, and here's this kid who's angry and screaming and yelling and, and, and has anxiety and and ADHD and sensory processing and highly sensitive and all of these things. And now I recognize, wow, this is like, it's, it's almost a gift because now I have educated myself. I have educated other people. I'm, I'm trying to bring mothers who are like me into the the light here so that other people can know that they're not alone. None of this would have happened if he wasn't who he was. No, it's true. And then, but I feel like that's true. Yes. And I feel like with, for me, all of them have different traits and different characteristics to teach me something. Yes. Like with Aiden, the struggle was real. Three months old, the pediatrician told me he may be autistic. Mm. And hearing that, and he's your third child, and you're like, what am I going to do to help this kid? Mm. And then I'm like crying, like, why is this happening? Same thing you said, but now look at him. He's functioning, neurotypical, ICT setting, doing very well, 
and playing baseball on a team and can handle it. So yes, it was struggling. Yes, it was a struggle to get all those services and do everything I had to do, but everything I did now, when I look at him and I'm like, you won't even know he was autistic. He's highly functioning. And when he first diagnosed him, he was moderate. So I feel like it is, it's a lot. I'm not going to sit here and say, this is not a lot. It is a lot, but I think God knew what he was doing when he chose me to be their mom, because I'm, I am not going <laughs> to, I mean, I'm the biggest advocate for them and I'll do whatever I have to do. So he, I think they, they, they it was a, it was a joint effort. I think I knew what I had to do and that, and then they taught me even more to push myself to say, we need more. I yes. need to do more, you know? But I like the way that you, you, you push your pride aside right. and say, okay, well, buckle up. Like, let's do this. Let's like, do roll this. up your <laughs> sleeves. Like, I'm jumping in. Yeah. And this is for life. This, right. I am sure that this consumes most of your daily thoughts yeah. um, because they're young and you still have to plan for them. And, um, it, it changed your whole life. Your entire life changes when you have kids like we do. And it's hard. And I think that's the thing, like for the marriage, I feel like you're investing so much time in them and then they're going to be adults and grow off. So it's hard with the ma- for the marriage too. So it's just to make sure to make time for your husband as well. Cause I love, don't get me wrong. I love Charlie to death. That's my husband's name. He's amazing. He really tries, but it's hard for him to understand all the ins and outs of what I do on a daily basis. And he, he will try, but he's just like, babe, I don't know how you do it all. And I'm like, I know, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> You're a superhero. It's hard. Does that frustrate you at all? I, I ask because that, that sort of thing can be frustrating for me and, and many other moms where it's like, you know, your partner wants to do what you do, but they just can't. He, he's, uh, I mean, I, I think the best thing we did was bring the dog in because it's therapeutic. We have a dog. His name is Mickey. He's a puppy. He's a That's year right. old. That's right. Um, he's, he's actually 13 months old. He has been amazing for Keelan and Charlie. Because, and even for me, I'm not going to and I would, and I was like, no, I don't want a dog. I don't want a dog. I don't want any more responsibility, but I feel like it helps her in this journey because she's doing better. And we got the dog around the same time she came back from the hospital. Ooh. But I feel like it's a lot. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh my God, my it's crazy. But we make it work the best we can. And no, I feel like he tries and that's all I can ask yeah. for you to try. Yeah. You know, you're so forgiving. You're so, <laughs> um, I, I don't know, just you're accepting and you're forgiving. I, I, I think it took me some time to get there though. I, years <laughs> in. I wouldn't say that in the beginning of the marriage. <laughs> no, but that's such, um, you're teaching us all a lesson here because right. this is, this is trauma that you guys right. have gone through. Right. And, and, and the, whole family, through the yes. whole family suffers. Yes. When one person is sick, the whole family suffers from that. Mm. And that's something you have to remember. And I think when we first went through this with Charlie, when he was sick, I didn't really understand I didn't research. I didn't get it. But when I saw my daughter go through it, very different when you see your child go through that. Yes. And I feel like because he laid the foundation for me to see what it was like, I really was accepting and understanding and saying, I got to do whatever I have to do to make sure that we break this cycle of what happened with my husband. I don't want to repeat. I want to stop it here. Wow. Wow. This is your life's mission. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yep. It's super, super inspiring. Um, and did you say, is that, is your dog a, a therapy dog? So to speak, I, I would say he's not tech, oh. like a therapy dog, but I would yeah. say he has done wonders for us mm-hmm. and the family, mm-hmm. the family, family dynamic. And I, and I will definitely quote that he has helped Caitlin tremendously getting outside, going for walks, meeting people, meeting other dogs. Take, I mean, it's therapeutic because he know, and also he knows when things are not okay. So he will go and lay with her and take, take care of her. It's crazy how bonded those two are. Yes. Yes. 
And I know too, at least one of my dogs is elderly and she's sweet and she's small. And my son, he can be raging, just absolutely out of control with anger. He will never lay a hand on the dog and going to pet her. I'm all, I, I will say to him all the time, like, let's go pet the dog. Let's go pet her just a few pets. And he just uh, sort of yep. relaxes. It's or even a hug. It's a hug. Yes. Like even when she hugs, you can see like she's calm. Yes. And then, and he senses the calm. Like when things are not okay, he knows. Yeah. So he's a little bit hyper. Yes. But when things are calm, he's calm. And he loves to sleep with her. He sleeps yeah. with her every night. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So with all of this being said, now that it seems like they're doing okay. And you're all hanging in there at the moment. Um, you are working on whether or not, you know, it ending the stigma about mental illness, yes, about honesty in talking about mental illness in children, right? even with serious things, including uh, hospital stays. Right. I don't, I don't want her to ever feel shame. And that was one thing. It was funny because when she first came out of the hospital, I had a conversation with my family. I said, there will be no shame, my daughter, here. Good for you. I said, we're going to accept her for who she is, and you're going to love her for who she is, and you're not going to make her feel bad for what happened to her, and you're not going to treat her any different than what she was treated before. So I had that clear conversation because I wanted to make sure that everybody understood where I was coming from. I love that you did that. How did that go over? Did you gather Um, a family meeting and you're like, hey, guys. It was before she came home. It was before she came home and it was, it was at her birthday party. Cause I, you never know, you know, mm. and I just wanted to make the message clear. They got my message very loud and clear. I, 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 I got that message loud and clear just hearing you say it, but that's, that's the mama bear. That's you didn't oh, yeah. do all this for nothing. Right. And you've not put in all this time to right. help your child right. just but to it have takes, somebody insult right. them. Yeah, exactly. But it takes a village and yeah. I have a village. I'm very blessed. I do. Um, I, I have an amazing family who was there at a drop of a hat, you know, so I just want to also thank them here too. So they know that it couldn't have been done without everybody's support. And everyone was there for me. All my siblings, my mom and my dad, and my husband's family too, everybody was there to support Keelan. So I just want that to be said too, that it can, it's hard to do it alone. Yes. Yeah. So, and I try to be a village for other people that are going through this that don't have that. Yeah. Because I know what it's like to be alone in the beginning when I first went through it. Mm. That's really powerful too, because, and that's also why I started the podcast. That is that alone feeling, that isolated feeling. There's, I mean, it's depression. It's, it's such a struggle. It does take a village. The more people you have in your corner, the better, um, both virtual and in person. And the fact that you have people that you can call on is critical for your own sanity. Right. My own mental health, I think too. I think that's, and and then no judgment. That's, that's the most important, powerful piece from this. Other moms can be judgmental. Please don't, please don't do that because it doesn't help anyone. There should be no judgment ever. We're all doing the best that we can. And that's all we can take from this. And I feel like you can't judge somebody unless you walk the day in their shoes. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Yeah. Mom shaming is, is a real thing. It is a real thing. And it's frustrating because, and I've talked about this before, but you'll mothers will, nobody ever admits it. Nobody says like, right. oh, I love to mom shame, right. but they do it. And where is that coming from? That, that inner, that deep level not being happy with who they are. Right. And for you to be going through multiple years of trauma. Right. And still to be saying, no, no, no judgment. <laughs> no. Like, right. And I just feel like that's, that's the critical thing because, and I feel like that's where you feel supported when there's no judgment. You can tell your story. And honestly, I'm going to be honest, it doesn't bother me because I don't let it bother me. So, but the thing is a child that will bother them. Yes. And that's the key. That's why I have to make her strong enough to say, you can share your story and not everybody's going to be understanding, but you can pick and choose too who you want to tell it to. But I never told her she couldn't share her story. This is your story to tell Caitlin. And I told her, I'm like, you can tell whoever you want, 
I said, and, and then she just said to me, okay, mom. So she has told her story to one or two friends and believe it or not, they've been very supportive for her, but it's in the therapeutic school. Yes. They understand. Yes. Yes, because and, and well, right. This isn't taught in, in traditional schooling. We don't we don't highlight this sort of thing, mental health struggles in children. It, it no. doesn't happen. And yeah. I hope that that's something we can work on because I know they're trying to bring it now. All this SEL, social emotional learning, everything. And it's critical mm-hmm. because kids are struggling day to day. And we don't know you won't. Some kids don't say anything and they're sitting there struggling. And the thing is as a mom who has a child that went through this, I feel like I want to be that teacher or educator that would to go the extra mile to say, are you okay? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's important. It, it, it is. And I could not agree with you more as a teacher myself and mental illness in children is it's overlooked. There's not enough resources. There's not yes. enough people in the school to handle it. The focus, we're focusing on the wrong things right. and the kids are anxious and they are depressed and they are yeah. angry and all, I mean, I'm, we're talking lots of kids. Right. And I, the thing is, the thing is, that's crazy is that a child can't learn if their social emotional stuff is not taken care of first. So it was funny when we, she first went in um, to the social, to the um, other setting they were like, we're not going to worry about anything with education right now. We're going to work about stabilizing her. And I'm like, right. okay, right. that makes sense. It because shouldn't take a therapeutic setting to do that for every single it, child. And that's what happened for her. It took yeah. that. It, de- it definitely took that. And I feel like I'm grateful that she's there and I'm grateful that she's doing better. And I hope to continue on this journey with her where we, I know it's a roller coaster. We're going to have some ups. We're going to have some downs, mm-hmm. but I feel like right now we're in a good place and I'm going to celebrate that. <laughs> Alina, I, I love it. All <laughs> schools should come at education in that way. Just, I'm sorry. You come to, you've come, you, you're here at school. You're crying. Something happened at home. You're having Absolutely. a tough morning. Hey, by the way, let's take that math test. Like, no, no, you're not going to take the math test right now. How, anyway, I could go, I could go on a whole thing about that, but, but you, you shouldn't have to apply for different schools just to have emotional needs met. That should be something that is offered everywhere. And is. I I wish that it was, but I'm going to tell you firsthand from experience. It's not. Nope. And, um, it's sad, but it takes the teacher to do that. Like, I know that's extra work for the teacher. And I, listen, I've been a classroom teacher for 17 years. I get it. It's Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. but my in my classroom that was number one mm-hmm. making sure the child felt safe yes and felt loved and felt heard and and I think that's where my parenting came in because that's how I approach teaching mm-hmm. so you have to it's, it's the whole child it's not just one part of the child so if you want a child to learn the whole child has to be met not just parts of it yes you're speaking my language you're taking the words <laughs> right out of my mouth I fully fully believe right. this one hundred percent. Right. You, your kids are so lucky to have you. I mean, really, really, really grateful. Thank you. <laughs> I, and you, yeah, you should be patting yourself on the back because this is hard stuff. Now, there may be moms who are listening who have had similar situations or are worried about similar situations, or regardless, they just want to reach out to you. Absolutely, you've inspired them. Um, are, yeah, it sounds like you're open to that. How? I am. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? I would say, I would say, um, they can email me. Okay. And, um, you want to put, you want to write it down? I was going to say, do you want to share it here? Or do you want me to just, I can type it into the show notes that go with the episode. You can type it in the show notes. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. You can tell me after when we, um, when we finish recording, but Uh, I will, and I I will get back to you. And, um, and I was a part of, um, that's another thing I wanted to say. I was a part of an anxiety OCD mom group on Facebook and it's amazing. I highly recommend support groups. Yes. That group helped me because I remember typing messages in there saying, what should I do? Yes. It said, take her to the hospital. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, okay. And then I, I needed to hear it to do it. Yes. I feel like because, you know, I was hesitant. I didn't want to. Yep. And when I shared what was happening, like take her to the hospital, don't play with this. Yes. Um, and other moms, I know we're all a part of this group and we, we give each other like advice and give each other feedback 
to know you're not alone. And I have no problem with anybody reaching out for any support they need. That's that must be how I found you in that Facebook group. Yes, probably. Yeah. 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 I'm in, I'm in so many. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, those groups are fabulous and those groups have actually inspired me to launch my own support group community, which I just did this month. And it is, it feels validating. That's the whole point. You want to feel seen and heard. Um, and to know you're not alone, what you're going through, you're not alone. And then you also want to look for those stories that are positive, that are showing that this things will get better. Yes. And then for a while, I wasn't seeing anything positive. I'm like, I need to see something positive. <laughs> and then I shared my story on there to let them know that she's doing better. Mm-hmm. And then the other moms in that group were amazing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, telling me this is great news, you know? So I think that's, that's also critical. Mm-hmm. So I feel like therapy, support group, all of those things are going to help you, especially if this is something new and, and navigating a hospital stay is no joke. No. <laughs> so, um, and you know what to expect. I feel like that's something that it was so nice to like a mom actually printed out a flyer and said what to expect when your child goes into a psychiatric facility because they don't give you those things when you go in. Nobody tells you anything, you know. There's no baby book for that. No, no. Wow, wow. I'm just very inspired by you overall in everything that you do and the way that you present yourself and and thank you it really is um you're an amazing human thank you you you, you deserve all of the praise you're going to be giving me your email and i'm going to put it in the show notes that absolutely yes and that's how um moms can reach you um so alina i'm just i'm just grateful for you thank you so much for being so brave and sharing this story Thank you for allowing me to tell my story, but also Caitlin's story. Yeah. You know, I wanted her and I want, and I told her about this. I told her I'm going to do a podcast. So she knew mm-hmm. and she was like, you're going to tell my story. And I'm like, yes, Katie, I'm going to share your story. She's like, wow, mom. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, and you should be able to share your story one day when you're ready. Yes. You know? And just note, and you can tell her that when, and if she's ever ready, I would love to hear it. Um, and she's got so many moms and listeners who are virtually hugging her right now because Aww. she is brave too. She is just as brave as you. Um, and if she's anything like you, she's got she's your mama bear. She is. Uh, I love that. She's a, she's a twin. She's oh a twin my God. That's that. No wonder she is so strong because, yeah. because you are as well. So Alina, Aww, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website, ontheharddays.com, and click on Schedule a Call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at On the Hard Days with dots in between each word, or in my free Facebook community, On the Hard Days Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.